for episode 12 of the Potter Discussion. I'm your host, Oscar, and here on the Potter Discussion, we discuss some of Harry Potter's deepest and darkest theories, tidbits, and little Easter eggs you might have missed, and you probably did. Today, we will be talking about everyone's favorite Baker Nomad from New York, Jacob Kowalski. And I can guarantee that there is something that everyone listening does not know about. And you will find out what that thing is right now, today. If you've read the title, you might be in on the secret. But that secret is that Jacob Kowalski is actually a squib. Now, before you click off and you go, this guy's crazy. I have evidence and timelines and numbers and math to back it up. So stick around and you will find out why. Without further ado, is Jacob Kowalski a squip? Jacob Kowalski. The clueless baker who discovers the magical world one day. All Jacob wants to do is carry on his family business and become a baker to make people happy. But when he goes to the bank for a loan, he is sadly refused. What he finds is much more valuable. A world existing parallel to his own on Earth, known only by some who have the privilege to take part in the wonders their world holds. The world of magic, spells, potions, and so much more just out of the reach for the people who don't know what they are missing. But Jacob, on the other hand, was fully informed and even knowledgeable about the magical world. Jacob was taken on the adventures Newt, Tina, and the forces of good had to follow. But that brings up an interesting point, because how could Jacob take part in magic? He's not a wizard for sure, that we can clearly see. So how can he be a person who is not a wizard, but not quite a nomad? How can anyone be in between those two statuses of being? But we forget, there is a middle ground. There is an in-between for muggles and wizards. Squibs. Squibs are of magical descent, but possess no magical abilities. So, what do we know about Jacob's family? Everything we can find about Jacob's family is minimal. All we know is that he has a grandfather and a grandmother. He also has two possible brothers. We know nothing about his parents. So does that close the door? Or open it? I think that is an opportunity. So, why do I think Jacob is a squib? It all started from seeing Jacob interacting with magical objects and people. Jacob could partake in magical activity, which I found a little strange. Of course, he wasn't the one casting the spells, but he could disapparate with a partner with ease. Specifically, when in the very last scenes of The Crimes of Grindelwald, the team appears to Hogwarts Castle. When Jacob gets there, he's perfectly fine. He's just looking around at the castle, bridge, and lake. But wait, that can't be right. How could Jacob, the supposed muggle, 
see Hogwarts Castle. All Muggle see is a rundown house. Jacob is clearly looking up and around him. But that isn't the only time that happens. Jacob sees three other things that Muggles shouldn't be able to. The first is the Obscurus. You may be thinking, Obscuruses are totally visible to Muggles. But dear listener, think again. In the screenplay, when Credence attacks the New York mayor at his festival, it is described as invisible, throwing tables out of its path like nothing. Catch it? Invisible? It is even shown in the movies Invisible 2. But Jacob? Nah, Jacob can see the Obscurus in Newt's case and Credence just fine. Another instance where Jacob saw something he shouldn't have is the crystal ball in Nicholas Flamel's house. Jacob looks in the ball and sees something. Jacob, the, the muggle! Come on, filmmakers, get your facts straight. The fourth and final time that Jacob laid his eyes on something that is not supposed to be visible to him was the black cloth. If you do not recall, the crimes of Grindelwald involve a scene where Grindelwald calls his followers to him, and he summons a ton of black cloth to summon everything. That cloth is supposed to be invisible to muggles, but Jacob is just as confused as Newt and Tina, looking around at what's happening. Well, there it is, and I rest my case. That was actually not intended, that pun, but still, I'm going to pass it off like it was. All right, so there is the theory, and I think that there is some oomph. There is something behind this theory, because it did seem a little weird for the muggle, the nomad, to be able to see, like, Everything that Newt and Tina could, he could, Jacob could disapparate, he could apparate, he could see everything that uh, wizards and witches could see. And I just want to bring a quick attention to the crystal ball scene. And I didn't mention in the theory, but it isn't, it's impossible for muggles to see something in the crystal ball because that's, that's considered magic. And I know that. It was strange for him to be even let in the shop in the first place by Nicholas Flamel, but I think Nicholas Flamel saw Jacob with Newt, a wizard, Tina, a witch, and forget his name, but the guy with the uh, water dragon parasite in his eye. And with Jacob in that group, Flamel may have just assumed that Jacob was a wizard too, because why wouldn't you? So that's why he didn't react to... Jacob seeing something because Flamel just thought that Jacob was just another wizard. And I think actually that Jacob is missing out. That because muggles are, uh, no, not muggles, uh, squibs are allowed into the world of magic. Of course, they can't cast the spells and brew the potions, but they are still let in on the secrets. And I think because Jacob isn't in close contact with his parents or his grandmother or his grandfather, that's why he couldn't figure it out. But actually, now that I'm thinking about it, 
being a squib means of magical descent, but no magical power. So if Jacob is a squib, I wonder what his magical descent is. That is something to think about. Another surefire thing about this theory is the Hogwarts phenomenon. It is explicitly, and I say it again, explicitly stated in the fifth book by Hermione Granger that only wizards and witches could see Hogwarts Castle. And I made that so dramatic because it is so obvious that Jacob could see Hogwarts Castle. And if he obviously isn't a wizard, because of course his parents would have told him, there is only one, one singular option. And that is him being a can't spell, a squib. That's a funny thing. I realized that um, the British terms for squib is squib, and the British term for a... A muggle is a muggle, and the American term for a muggle is a nomad, and the American term for a squib is a can't spell. Very, um, very creative. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny, but, so back to the Hogwarts thing. It's so obvious to us now that he could have been something other than a muggle, and it just seems like something that the filmmakers couldn't have possibly looked over that Jacob could see Hogwarts because seeing a rundown house you don't look up you don't look down you don't look side to side in confusion and you may be thinking well confusion of course he's confused if he sees a rundown house that is a pretty obvious cause for confusion but I mean I don't know I don't think he would be looking up at the house that was run down how many how many run down houses do you know that you have to look up to say I mean come on and even then they're on the bridge and I mean the bridge can't just disappear with everyone else so Jacob isn't isn't alarmed that he might be standing on air and he can see the lake he can see the students hanging out of the windows and he isn't alarmed or he isn't even looking around in like why are we even here he like if you if you really look at him so he's in the back of the group at uh, the very end of the crimes of Grinewald if you look at him he's the very back of the group and you see him looking around i i kid you not that that is for sure jacob looking at hogwarts a muggle well a supposed muggle laying his eyes on something that should be absolutely impossible for him to see and of course that's not to mention the obscurus which i think is probably the second best piece of evidence uh, aside from hogwarts and that's because we can see it from the muggles, well, I guess, I I just say muggle, but I wonder if I should call the muggles from America nomadges and the muggles from Britain muggles, but I'm just going to call them muggles, it's easier. So the, the muggles at that um, speech that the New York mayor was giving, they, it was like we were seeing the Obscurus from the muggles' perspective. 
and it was invisible, and it was literally invisible. We couldn't see a thing, and even from Credence's perspective, we didn't see the big black cloud. We didn't see the red sparks. We didn't see all that kind of stuff happening. We just saw the tables being tossed aside, then the mayor being thrown up into the air, and then being slashed around in his big flag, and then smacked back down to the stage. And then when Credence leaves, I mean, <laughs> nothing happened. Literally nothing happened. He just flew out the door and no one saw him and he was gone into the night. And another interesting part about that scene is the way he came in. And we saw that I actually am thinking, so there are two possibilities. So the scene opened with... Uh, the mayor giving his speech, and it was going very well. He was very liked by the people. And then they just hear the organ in the back. It was just probably a, a congressional hall or a church or something like that. And the organ, like, the, some wind blew through the organ. And there was strange because they were inside. So people looked. They were like, oh, it's an organ, you know, whatever. And then it just stopped. And everyone was like, all right, wind, whatever, you know, malfunction. So they continued listening to the speech, but then the organ blew a little louder. It's like a horror story. And then they look behind them again, and it just explodes. And then, you know, the invisible cloud comes through the door, and uh, their whole scene happens. So then there are two possibilities for why that happened. One is the filmmakers just wanted something dramatic. They just wanted something that was like that and in anticipation for us, the watchers, and knowing that, like, so coming to our own conclusion that that was what was happening. And that's plausible, but I just don't think that they would overlook something like that again. Everything is purposeful, and that's something to remember while making theories. That's why I have gotten pretty good at it, is that nothing is by accident. So the other possibility, and one that supports this theory, is Credence was turning into his Obscurus. And we saw, I think it might have been two to three times, we saw Credence, like a sustained shot from Credence going from human all the way up to Obscurus. And we saw that his Obscurus did cause wind, and it was a, it was a physical form, not just a being. And I think that Credence was out there handing out pamphlets because... With a major building like that, it might have been on a major road. And Credence would want to go onto a major road to hand out pamphlets into on front of a major building with the major person, with all the major people listening to the major person in the major building on the major road. Whew, okay. Bottom line is, Credence was probably around there. And we saw how much handing out those pamphlets degraded him. It was what he hated to do. And because he knew that he was one of those people that those pamphlets were warning against, he just couldn't take it. And that's why the whole movie happened, because he was so emotionally strained. And that's why Mr. Graves' Grindelwald tried to, you know, get him on his side. And I think that Credence went into an alley. He maybe he was um, on the side of the building, and he just couldn't. He just couldn't take it anymore, so he lost his control and kind of blew apart. And the why the wind was released so slowly was because Credence didn't push his Obscurus out. All he did was try to keep it in, and it's like if you have a mouthful of air and you push it out, it just goes poof. 
but if you have it uh, large amounts of air and then you try to keep it in it's kind of like a slow hiss and he was doing it kind of like that he didn't have air in his mouth and laying out in small increments but his body was the metaphorical mouth and his obscurus was the metaphorical air and that's why he was trying to keep it in keep it in but he just couldn't and eventually it just kind of seeped out of him and then you know turned into the big cloud so there you have it there you have it that is the theory. Actually, next episode, if, if you've made it all the way here, special announcement, next episode, there is a listener input. That is right. For the first time ever, someone else than me, my annoying voice, someone else will be talking on the podcast. I have received their audio clip. I will be giving no information yet because I will keep you on your toes. But next episode, there will be listener input. And if you have any questions, comments, theories, or input on a future theory that you would like to hear on the podcast, please send me an email, thepotterdiscussion at gmail.com. That is thepotterdiscussion at gmail.com. It would mean so much to me if you could just scroll down, tap that five scores, and even write a review, because in that point three seconds, you can help me out more than you can ever, 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 ever know, and you made my day. Also, make sure to subscribe to never miss another episode. And if you want my The Ultimate Guide to a Perfect Harry Potter Marathon, where I give you my two favorite Easter eggs from every movie to make your watching experience just a little bit better, and there's an end in there, be joined on to the monthly newsletter, giving you two insights onto my favorite theories of that month. Click the first link in the show notes below where you can just enter your first name and email and you are signed up for free. As always, use information to your advantage and I'll see you later.